In this session, we have amongst us a very eminent speaker, Dr. Kenneth R. Valpe. I would request Dr. Shekham, sir, kindly introduce our speaker, Dr. Kenneth R. Valpe, and kindly take over the session. Over to you, sir. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, I would like to namaskar. Uh, I would like to welcome Swagatam Kenneth Valpeji to this uh, noted webinar. Uh, Kenneth Valpeji is a PhD, is a research fellow of Oxford Center for Hindu Studies and member of Bhakti Vedanta Research Center Academic Advisory Board. I would like to welcome him to deliver his presentation. He is going to tell about between William Blake and the Bhagavad Gita, rebooting the imagination for troubled time. After listening to the Advaita Vedanta perspective and the perspective of Swami Vivekananda, uh, respected Kenneth Valpi will tell us, uh, he will, I think he will make a bridge between Bhagavad Gita, the knowledge of Bhagavad Gita and William Blake. So you are most welcome uh, to deliver your presentation. Swagatam and Namaskar. Please. Thank you so much, Dr. Islam. Um, I'm happy to see you again. Uh, I was fortunate to meet you, I think it was about two years ago in Kolkata. And it's so nice uh, to be with you again. Although in these circumstances, it's not ideal. I also want to thank our organizers, uh, especially Dr. Goswami has been putting in so much effort the last several days, uh, <laughs> bringing all of this together. Uh, and I want to say how much I appreciate uh, everyone helping in the background uh, and also the presentations that uh, have uh, been presented so far today, I find very fascinating. Now, let's see if we get the technology. I have a PowerPoint here, and uh, I need to ask, first of all, whether this is vis visible. If I can get some indication uh, that this uh, this uh, presentation of PowerPoint is visible, perhaps by WhatsApp, that would be helpful. In any case, I'll just begin speaking. Um, William Bla Blake may seem a very unlikely person uh, to, to reference, to speak about in this conference. Uh, and uh, I hope to show how he might be relevant uh, for our, our theme. And at the same time, I want to say that uh, this is very much exploratory. Um, I am particularly interested in the notion of imagination and how this may be relevant in uh, what we call broadly spiritual life, as we heard from uh, Dr. Brew. Uh, and as I'm saying in the title, I want to try to make a link uh, with 
the Bhagavad Gita. And uh, historians tell us that William Blake most probably uh, encountered the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, there is some evidence uh, that he, he was aware of this text, and there are traces of indication that, uh, reflecting in his writing from the Bhagavad Gita. I won't be going into detail about that, um, but uh, what I'm hoping to show is that uh, by highlighting this connection, uh, we can see something of the limitations of prevailing forms of thinking and imagination uh, to address the stressful psychological conditions of our time. So I want to say I'm uh, attempting, uh, aiming to show a direction. Uh, Excuse me, sir, yes. sorry for interrupting. Could you please, yeah. uh, could you please share your PowerPoint by minimizing your screen? We can't um, okay, I was hoping that I'm doing that, but I see now I yes, have to minimize uh, see this. That. Uh, you can okay. minimize your screen and share the PowerPoint and open the PowerPoint in the slideshow mode. Uh, do yes, you sir. see it now? No, do sir. No, sir. Okay. So if you can then... finally minimize your screen, the right yes, now the this... screen, minimize it. Yeah, and this, show the PowerPoint. I I did minimize the screen. Um, however, and, I'm sorry if this is not showing now. Um, so there must be some trick, which I thought we had worked out, but uh, I'm not getting it. Um, can you give some further points? Because I minimized the screen and I uh, have set it for PowerPoint. Maybe I should restart it, share screen. And PowerPoint, do you see it now? Still uh, not, huh? No, okay, no, sir. All right. Uh, in that case, I will simply speak and. <laughs> uh, I can go ahead. Um, we don't completely depend on this. I can simply go ahead and speak. Otherwise, we spend too much time, I think. So, um, my aim is uh, that we can show a direction toward human empowerment through imagination. And the way I'm doing this is by taking William Blake's four levels of imagination and vision as a kind of springboard and challenge uh, to stretch our powers of imagination through the aid of the Bhagavad Gita's bhakti regenerative vision uh, and process of human empowerment uh, to be, as is said in the sixth chapter of the Gita, to be never shaken 
even in the midst of the greatest difficulty. Yasmin sitona dukkena gurunapi vichayate. But we, before we go to Mr. Blake, I want to refer to, <clears throat> to two modern psychologists, uh, Christopher Peterson and Martin Seligman, uh, who are uh, involved in this uh, very modern study of what is called positive psychology. And in one of their works, they identify various strengths of character, strengths uh, of virtue. And uh, the last category of these they include is called strengths of transcendence. And they list five strengths of transcendence. And what I want to do is come back to these after uh, visiting Mr. Blake and the Gita and see what we can appreciate about them. Uh, these five are, uh, these five strengths of transcendence are appreciation of beauty, gratitude, hope, humor, and spirituality. And they elaborate, these scholars elaborate on definitions of each of each of these and how these may relate uh, to positive psychology. All right, William Blake uh, was a mm, artist, a poet, and a visionary uh, living from 1757 to 1827. And he has been identified with what's come to be called the romantic cultural movement of Europe uh, of the time. Uh, and uh, in the midst of that, he very much opposed uh, the prevailing zeitgeist, the prevailing mentality of the time that privileged reason and deplored imagination, even regarding it as dangerous. Uh, so this was the, the mood of the time. Science is everything. Imagination uh, can be even dangerous. For Blake, imagination, in contrast, was the central faculty of both God and humans. Imagination is central. So Blake... Uh, had this idea of imagination as existing essentially on four levels. And uh, he had special names for each of these. Uh, the first is, uh, according to his mythographic, his myth mythological thinking, uh, his own creative mythology. So the first, and we can say lowest level of imagination, and vision he calls Ulro. And this is the reality of quantity. I'll elaborate on each of these, but first I'll go through the four. The second he simply calls generation. This is the reality of production and reproduction. Then the third, which is a more luminous level, 
of imagination and vision. He calls Beulah. This is the reality of relationships. And finally, his fourth uh, level, he has two names. One is Eden, and the other is eternity. And this is the reality of transcendence. So now I will uh, elaborate briefly on each of these, and then I will get back to this um, fivefold strengths of transcendence. So Ulro, we can say, represents scientism. Uh, he painted or engraved a picture of Newton, very much absorbed in measuring uh, some, something on a scroll of paper. Um, this is the belief that all and only scientifically gained knowledge is true and real. And we may see how this is manifest today in this circumstance of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, as uh, the preoccupation and concern with metrics, statistics of people infected, numbers of people dying as a result of the disease, financial loss calculations, graphs and charts of trends and projections, uh, and so on and so forth. So forth. This becomes uh, very much uh, foremost in the news uh, today. We may venture a comparison of Blake's idea uh, of this lower level of consciousness, of vision, of, uh, of imagination, with what we find uh, Krishna describing in the Bhagavad Gita as tamoguna. Some features of tamoguna he refers to, especially in the 14th chapter, are that it is uh, born of ignorance, uh, ajnanajam, that it is delusive, mohanam, that it is accompanied by madness, pramadha. Uh, so, and generally we understand tamagun in terms of the notion of darkness and of ignorance. So Blake was saying that our preoccupation with numbers our preoccupation with counting uh, is problematic uh, because, in fact, there is no vision there. There's no imagination. Uh, there's no uh, real uh, ability to approach freedom uh, from misery. His second level of consciousness uh, he called generation, uh, and to this form, uh, to this level, he identified a particular figure he called Los. Los was uh, a person who he portrayed as carrying a large uh, iron hammer, uh, and he, this Los character was bound by what he called the chain of jealousy, the chain of jealousy. Uh, this 
generation level is characterized by the spirit of reproduction and uh, we may say jumping ahead of his time uh, of the Darwinian struggle for life uh, for which uh, uh, this is a somewhat expanded imagination with some awareness of cycles and seasons and whereby um, prominent come the uh, focus on manufacture and farming. Manufacture and farming become uh, central foci uh, of this level. Uh, but further, <laughs> uh, Blake, with his very fertile imagination, uh, uh, considered Los as what he called the great spirit signifying mankind's imaginative force put to action. He labors to build a utopia of frenetic activity. And Blake had a name for this utopia. He called it Golgonusa. And he, he drew what looks very much like a yantra, a four-sided yantra with det many details of uh, the elements of this gol Golganusa. And he superimposed it on uh, the city of London of his time. Uh, he was a resident of London. <clears throat> uh, and with this uh, general idea of generation, uh, he is, we can say, presenting essentially in relation to Bhagavad Gita, a parallel with what Krishna refers to as Rajaguna uh, from, of course, the Sankhya tradition. Rajaguna is the quality of energy and passion, uh, which, Krishna refers to in chapter 14 of the Gita as Trishna Sangha Samud Bhavam, born of association with hankering. Uh, it brings great attachment, uh, fruitive or selfish mentality, intense endeavor, and uncontrollable desire, hankering, and greed. Uh, and so, because of being rajasic of this um, mode, we can say of Blake's idea, Los may be re represented uh, today in global industry, the military industrial complex, as it was called by a former US president, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, the transnational corporation or corporate uh, conglomerate that now strangles the world and accelerates Anthropocene environmental devastation, climate catastrophe, and zoonotic disease. And hence, because of all of this, an increase of global anxiety. Well, uh, Oh, so much for the second level. We go to the third level of Blake's uh, 
uh, levels, four levels of imagination and vision. And again, he called this Beulah. And this is the realm of the subconscious, and it's the realm of awareness for a desire, awareness of a desire for relationships. Uh, the prominent emotions here are more luminous, we can say, sympathy, care, sensitivity, happiness, love, and affection. And later, scholar has suggested he shows uh, interest here blake shows that this level is indicating the i thou uh, relationality uh, this becomes prominent over the i it non-relationality of course this is uh, coming from uh, martin buber's philosophy later philosophy and another positive feature of this level uh, is an increased sense of justice, uh, of justice and fairness, uh, which is all very good. And so on this level, we may speak of a parallel with Krishna's description of sattva guna, uh, characterized by piety, illumination, a sense of happiness, increased knowledge and awareness, and a lifestyle including eating habits conducive to increased duration of life. Ayu sattva balarogya sukha priti vivardhanaha. And I think there's a significant parallel with sattva guna. However, Krishna in the Gita speaks about how sattva guna is also a guna. It is a, uh, a conditioned state. And we see this also reflected, I find, in, uh, in, in Blake's work. Um, yes, uh, in, in this third level, uh, there is now a focus on relationships, including an intimation of a connection with divinity, but on this third level, Blake calls Beulah, hmm, there is a downward sliding tendency toward control of relationships, which leads to oppression instead of justice and fairness. And what do we see manifest in our wider world today an expanding worldwide culture of surveillance. And this, again, is bringing increased anxiety and distrust, and I would suggest it's accompanied by a proliferation uh, of conspiracy theories. <laughs> uh, we, we heard how Swami Vivekananda said, don't listen to rumors. <laughs> So now we have rumors expanding all over um, by the internet, and this is causing only more anxiety. So summarizing, I would say uh, uh, that Blake summarizes these the three levels. Uh, he says in his poetic language, 
referring to the people who are subjected to the three gunas. Uh, he says, they wander moping in their heart, a sun, a dreary moon, a universe of fiery constellations in their brain, an earth of wintry woe beneath their feet and round their loins, waters or winds or clouds or brooding lightnings and pestilential plagues. So his last reference to pestilential plagues is of course relevant. Uh, on the fourth, fourth level, uh, which again he refers to as Eden or eternity, imagination now goes beyond the mere speculative to the generative to yogic connection with divinity, with the supreme person, the source of all being and becoming. This level includes the best of the first three levels of imagination, uh, because each of those levels he gives some credit for. Uh, the first, Ulro, he gives value in discernment. In the second level, generation, he gives value to expansiveness. And for the third level, uh, Blake gives value to feeling. But on this fourth level, the cosmos is alive, it is pluriform, it is a vision crucial to the sense of hope, enabling actions to become what Krishna calls koshala, skillful, artistic, bringing about welfare for all. Again, going back to uh, Krishna's summary in chapter 14 of attitudes uh, of one who is transcendent to the three gunas, I think again this rep uh, resonates well uh, with Blake's fourth stage of imagination and vision. Summarizing this, uh, Krishna says, being undisturbed by illumination, attachment, delusion, when these are present, that's the three gunas, nor longing for them when they disappear. Being with equal vision amidst the dualities of this world, including the personal experiences of being honored or dishonored. So there we have a, a sketch of, of Blake's vision. I'm trying to juxtapose them uh, with Bhagavad Gita for the purpose of focusing, highlighting on this notion of imagination. Uh, but now let's go back to modern uh, psychological thought and uh, the notion of psychological well-being in relation to imagination. Uh, I want to suggest that this parallel can um, bring us to a better understanding of collective imagination as it works negatively in the present time 
and point, pointing toward uh, the higher level uh, of liberative, liberating imaginations. Uh, so again, Christopher Peterson and Martin Seligman in their positive psychological study titled Character, Strengths and Virtues, a Handbook and Classification, list five types of strengths of transcendence. And these are, again, appreciation of beauty, gratitude, hope, humor, and spirituality. And what I want to suggest is that what, um, what makes each of these components of uh, the strength of transcendence, what makes them a strength is an awakening of our power of imagination. But what sort of imagination? That we understand, I believe, in such uh, sacred texts as the Bhagavad Gita. Um, he is showing how to cultivate transcendent imagination. Uh, and, and, and specifically in the Bhagavad Gita, I would call attention to a particular verse we don't usually think of in terms of imagination, this is in the 18th chapter, Brahma Bhuta Prasannatma Nasochati Nakanchati Sama Sarveshu Bhuteshu Madbhaktim Labhate Param. One who is thus transcendental, transcendentally situated, at once realizes the Supreme Brahman and becomes fully joyful. He never laments or desires to have anything. Such a person is equally disposed toward every living being. In that state, such a person attains pure devotion unto me. And finally, I want to uh, share a short poem by William Blake that I think also points in this direction. Uh, it's uh, a simple kind of poem. I believe he wrote it fairly early in his career. It's from his Songs of Innocence and Experience. And this is from the section called uh, Songs of Innocence. And the title of the poem is The Divine Image. And it goes like this. To mercy, pity, peace, and love, all pray in their distress. And to these virtues of delight return their thankfulness. For mercy, pity, peace, and love is God our Father dear. And mercy, pity, peace, and love is man his child and care. For mercy has a human heart, pity a human face and love the human form divine, and peace the human dress. Then every man of every clime that, pray, that prays in his distress, prays to the human form divine, love, mercy, pity, 
peace. And all must love the human form in heathen, Turk or Jew, where mercy, love, and pity dwell. There God is dwelling too. So I will end there. And uh, again, I want to thank our organizers and hosts. And if there is some question or discussion, I'll be happy to try to respond. Okay. Namaskar. And it was really a very thought-provoking speech delivered by Kenneth Valpi. Thank you very much for giving us, for taking us to a completely new discourse that addresses William Blake and Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Uh, I really would like to appreciate the approach that you have made to present your speech, that is ex exploratory approach. Particularly, we have noticed that uh, the four levels of consciousness of William Blake is presented in her speech, in his speech. Uh, the four levels are Ulrow, Generation, Beulah, Eden or Eternity. So it's a, it's a kind of topographic uh, representation of Blake's four levels of imagination, which is really very interesting. And another point you have also uh, shown us some PowerPoint, uh, which one slide shows the outline of Yantra and the geographical boundary of London. So this correlation is also very, very interesting. Uh, you also pointed out the Darwinian struggle of life. Uh, so these are uh, some of the main, these were some of the main points of your presentation. And finally, uh, with reference to Srimad Bhagavad Gita, you have quoted from Pashtadasa uh, Dhyaya, the Moksha Yoga, Brahma Bhuta Prasannatma Nasochati Nakangshati. So the correlation between William Blake and Bhagavad Gita is really interesting. So now I would request uh, if there is any question uh, from the participant, please. Any question is there? Yeah, uh, there are okay. uh, a few questions actually, uh, okay. Professor Malpe. Uh, one question which has come from Dr. Tindi Goswami is, how can we relate Blake's idea on sorrow with the teachings of Bhagavad Gita? Mm. Your take on it? <laughs> yes, uh, a good question. I need to emphasize uh, <laughs> and be a little confessional that um, uh, the, the short notice for giving this presentation didn't allow me to go into the depth I wanted to. Um, of course, starting from the side of the Gita, uh, Krishna 
this is his very first instruction to Arjuna in chapter two. Asochan and Vasochas Tong Pragya Varangs Chabasasi Gatasun Akatasun Nanusochanti Pandita. Not Anusochanti. Do not lament. Do not uh, be sorrowful. But he's saying Anusochanti. Do not go on being sorrowful. Um, he doesn't say be like a stone and not feel for those who are suffering. Um, but uh, he's, of course, pointing Arjuna in uh, to the transcendent level from step one. He's making this very uh, strong point of this distinction between self and body, uh, which, which then he elaborates essentially throughout the Gita. So from my little uh, knowledge and understanding of, of William Blake, I would just point again, he's, he is uh, the, the level of, of consciousness that he is uh, interested in in particular is this fourth level. Uh, but if we think about this in terms of imagination, uh, this is the this is the key, I think, to making this connection. When Krishna says, "Brahma Buddha Prasannatma Nasochati Nakangshati," well, we can start out um, by imagining the possibility of experiencing not lamenting. We can exercise that uh, faculty of our imagination, what would that be like? What would it be like to not be hankering for things which I don't have or for conditions which are not there? What would that be like? That I'm suggesting uh, through Blake is, uh, is an activation of our imagination to the point that it becomes reality. Uh, and um, Blake saw imagination as, in a certain, way, certain sense, equivalent to God. <laughs> he, he was so much the opposite of uh, uh, the spirit of his times where reason prevailed uh, he said, no, imagination is what makes us human and it's what makes us divine. Uh, and so uh, to connect with the Gita in this way, uh, I think is helpful. Sama sarveshu bhuteshu. What could it be like to actually see all living beings equally? <laughs> Not just theoretically, and not just, you know, I can quote Bhagavad Gita, that's very nice, but actually, so that requires a kind of awakening of our uh, imagination, which can lead then to realization. Yeah, and uh, uh, Professor Islam, if I may just proceed with the other questions as well. Yes. Yeah. So if other questions are yes. there, yes, please. Uh, the second question was from my side. Uh, I found the words which were used okay. by Blake to be 
uh, pretty interesting. For example, the uh, the word Golgonuza, which uh, he had used, is uh, it has some parallels with perhaps the biblical concept of uh, Golgotha, uh, because I'm not sure, but it it seemed like they rhymed in a sense. And uh, secondly, the concept of Beulah also had uh, 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 something of the surveillance state mechanism which Bentham speaks about in his idea of the panopticon. So if, uh -huh. uh, if you could, could just elaborate on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, I'm going to show my ignorance, but uh, I think it's very possible that there is a, uh, some conscious connection of Golganusa with uh, Golgotha, uh, but I wouldn't be able to say without first consulting the, the references. There's actually a, a dictionary of terms uh, that uh, Blake used. Uh, there's a whole dictionary uh, because he used such a, a, a strange uh, terminology. And I could get back to you after looking at that, <laughs> but for sure, now sure, I can't sure. say. No the, the general point though is he identified himself very much as a Christian. Uh, and this was one reason I wanted to bring this in, uh, to bring him into this assembly, because I understood this should, uh, sh should be an interreligious uh, discussion. And I wanted yeah. to explore like this. Uh, he was, however, no traditional Christian. He was a radical. He was what was called a dissenter. Um, he yeah. was also politically very radical. Um, he's a very colorful character <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, but this relation yeah. to Bentham's uh, panopticon, that, that would be another interesting and possibly rich comparison. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. Thank you for bringing it, bringing it up. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, there, was, there was also another question, Professor Valpe, uh, but I can't find it just at the present. If uh, Srimanthi, can you locate the third question, which is there? And please relay it to Professor sir? Valpe. Yeah. Yes, sir. The third question is from Dr. Shormishta Debasu. She's asking, if anyone does not believe in spirituality, then how Blake's idea can enhance him to become influenced? <laughs> um, it, it may not be possible if a person is determined uh, to not accept that there is such a reality beyond what Krishna would refer to as the three gunas. Uh, but I think here we can be helped by, again, uh, something Krishna says in uh, the beginning of chapter, uh, is it 14 or seven, 17, I think. He says, Shraddha Mayo Yang Purusho. The, uh, the Purusha, the living being, is Shraddha Maya, is full of faith, is constituted of faith. Now, where is that faith invested is another question. Um, but uh, often we, we, we hear of the atheist saying, I have no faith in, in God. All right, but you do have faith in something. Where is that invested? 
may help you to see uh, how it can be advanced. And I think, again, going back to Blake's um, uh, in putting such importance on imagination, maybe not Blake's imagination in particular, but giving space for uh, the imaginative power to comprehend the possibility of transcendence of spirituality uh, may lead such a person forward. Okay, so we our time is already over, so I would like to congratulate both the speakers, Swami Mahamedhanandaji and Kenneth Valpeji for presenting their beautiful and thought-provoking lecture. Uh, I just uh, would like to again congratulate the Kolkata Society for Asian Studies and BRC for organizing this very eventful, interesting program. And Ferdinando Sardella, in his speech, wanted to mention that modern science is lacking the ability to explain certain things. At least this seminar wanted to find out some question with regard to spirituality, with regard to the sacred text associated with this. I think this is going to be a milestone in the academic. So with these few words, I would like to hand over the microphone to uh, for the next uh, presentation or announcement. Thank you, sir. Due to paucity of uh, time, couldn't take up one more question. But if uh, sir has, uh, okay. Uh, so to, uh, thank you, thank you for uh, all the. I would like to thank all the four speakers and our esteemed moderators for the wonderful and thoughtful sessions that we, uh, you know, experienced today. Uh, Tomorrow will tomorrow will be the second day for the international webinar. The day start like the session starts from 6 p.m. The YouTube link to all the participants will be mailed today after the session gets over. Thank you, thank you for attending today's session, and we hope to see you all tomorrow again. Thank you. <laughs>